Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Welcome, everybody to another episode of Birdland tonight. Uh, this time you're tuning in to Josh and I talk about and celebrate the Orioles winning 4-2 against the New York Yankees. Uh, it was an incredible game. Uh, so much fun, so much to talk about. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. What is faster? Our five-minute countdown to start the show or Valdez on the, on the mound? I, I'm guessing that it might be Valdez on the mound. I think uh, if, if I started that countdown today – when the Orioles took the field for the top of the ninth, uh, we would have still been waiting when the ending was over. I, I agree. Um, hey, I tell you what, before we get too much into what, uh, you know, our, our personal commentary on the game, and yeah. let's be honest, we're both in a much better mood than we were the last time we did a show what together. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but let's, let's, for, the, for, the, for everybody that's listening to this via podcast, oh, that's me. I think What's I've got up? some extra volume going on. Uh, for everybody that's listening to this as a podcast, uh, and, and please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to, uh, to Birdland Sports. But if you're listening to this, here's what went down. Uh, the Orioles faced off against the Yankees. Uh, and, and right out of the gate, Cedric Mullins uh, hits a home run uh, all the way out to Utah Street. Now, now, Josh, you've been out to way more games in Camden Yards than I yep. have. Do they, do they still give the little place marker when somebody hits a ball? Yep, they still mark it. So if that landed on Utah Street, Cedric Mullins is getting his plaque. Awesome. Uh, I really hope it did because I absolutely love watching Cedric Mullins play. And we'll get more to, to Cedric Mullins and, and my love affair there uh, here in a bit. Uh, Cedric, we got to talk Cedric Mullins. Uh, go through the box scores. But yeah, right. Cedric Mullins is a different guy than he was a year ago. It's oh, crazy. Uh, incredible. Uh, so so let, that was the first inning. The second inning was great because we saw Freddie Galvis double to deep left center. Uh, scoring Pedro Severino. Uh, now, Freddie, uh, and after watching three different replays, I really couldn't tell how he got hurt, but he seemed to have you know an issue. He kind of did a couple squats. Maybe it was a growing it, issue. It and, reminded me of Austin Hayes getting hurt, where it was just it, a freak run and play, grab his leg type thing that ended up sending him on the 10-day DL. Yeah, uh, so, so that was unfortunate yeah. because – Freddie's been playing exceptionally well ever since his trip out to Texas. Yeah, ever uh, since we made comments. He yeah, heard, ever- <laughs> he heard Birdland tonight. He heard us calling for Richie Martin, and he picked it up and decided he it's time to play baseball. And who knows? We might actually kind of finally get to see, you know, be it Richie Martin, be it Stevie Wilkerson. Uh, who knows who gets called up next? We'll talk yeah. about the transactions that happened before the game as well. We'll get to all this. Big game. Big day yeah. for Orioles. But I tell you what, one of the, one of the you know, talk about burying the lead. Matt and pitched an incredible game um you know he was what did he get two hits uh if i'm looking at the box score yeah one uh, run and six six innings six innings innings. yeah so six innings five strikeouts he did walk three probably upset at himself a, a little bit there um but you know he cruised all the way up until the point where 
uh, I think it was, I'm trying to remember who it was that, that scored for the Yankees. It was Judge doubling to left and Stanton scored. So that happened in the sixth and the top of the sixth. The bottom of the six was really kind of crazy for the Orioles. They had, uh, if I remember correctly, Austin Hayes was on third. Pedro Severino was on first. Uh, and Darren O'Day was on the mound. Now, I don't have the same love affair. I, I was, to be quite honest, was not a, a diehard Orioles fan back in the day when Darren O'Day. You know, I, I became a fan right after Darren O'Day was, was traded away. Um, but okay. I do well, kind of like. the fun Darren O'Day time. I. Fair, uh, but I, I'm not going to be so upset. I kind of like when we see former Orioles uh, not do so well when they're back in Camden Yards, okay. uh, with a few with a few exceptions. So um, I, I liked that uh, he he seemed to be frustrated. He seemed to be uh, caught off guard. I don't know if it was Pedro Severino whispering something uh, there on first place, but uh, but he balked. And yeah. uh, we got a run scored, a, a walk and run by uh, Austin Hayes. You know, I forgot that he is on the Yankees. And I was doing 336 today during the game. And I just looked at the corner of my eye at the TV. I said, man, that guy throws the ball like, like O'Day. Yeah. And I'm I like, think- That's, he's got the same release point. Who is this guy? And then I realized, oh, it is Darren O'Day. <laughs> the Yankees just don't put names on their jerseys. Yep. Yeah, I think he got traded away from uh, from the Braves like, this uh, yeah. earlier this year. I thought I had a year. new favorite pitcher all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, so that takes us up into the top, into the bottom of the seventh, where Cedric Mullins homered again, uh, solo home run, but it was 418 feet. Uh, you know, I, I felt like this was one of those old Gatorade commercials where anything you can do, I can do better. Do you remember yeah. those from like Michael Jordan? You know, that's what I feel like uh, the relationship with Austin Hayes. Uh, and Cedric Mullins is just that. Anything you can do, I can do better. You know, well, I, you I know, felt that way back in spring training, and and now they're doing it. You know, in the regular season, Cedric Mullins, after today, has 31 hits this season, which leads all of Major League Baseball. He's the best bat in baseball right now, and half of those 15 hits came off left-handed pitching. Which the fact that he's never faced left-handed pitching <laughs> right. from the left left side right. is is incredible. Now. This this couldn't go down without a little bit of drama, and and the drama came in the eighth, where we thought, as per the the winning formula for the Orioles, call in flamethrower Tanner Scott as setup man for the dead fish right. Teaser Valdez. Right. But uh, you know, we saw it a couple nights ago when the weather started to turn a bit ugly. That that Tanner had some control issues, and then he called for the you know the groundskeeper to come in and throw some dry dirt, and then he kind of got his control back. Well, he had no excuse tonight, but he had no control at all. So you know, he ended up yeah. loading the bases. Uh, that was terrifying. I thought, oh, no, uh, th- we're so used to seeing this when we play the Yankees. We got to find a way to kind of hold out. Um, and, and that's where it, it got kind of got crazy. It was a pop out. Uh, and I'm trying to think how many outs was it when uh, – and I can't remember – who it was? I think it was Urshela. Well, uh, hit a- well, yeah, it was Urshela. There were, there was, two outs, and Urshela hit That's that right. single. Yes, the Judge was on first base. He decided to round second base. It's a bases clear, and well, not bases clear, but you've got guy, you got bases loaded. He hits a single into left field. Uh, first guy scores. Guy rounds third and is scoring. Judge decides to go to third. Judge gets tagged out, sliding into third. The umps rule that the second run did not score before Judge was tagged out. 
and that's where um, Boone came out of the dugout and started arguing and got tossed out of the game for arguing that that run didn't score. What I don't understand is why there was no replay. Does Aaron Boone not understand that there is replay? I, again, the, the I way that he was thrown out and immediately kind of locked, he I went wild right out of the gate. I'm so confused with this play because forget whether or not the run scored. Wouldn't you on the Yankees, just as a close play like that, go out and ask to review the play at third base? Then if that got overturned, then they would, that run would have counted. And if it that did, didn't get overturned, then wouldn't they, you say, hey, while you're looking at the cameras, figure out where everyone goes? A standard review, you do the review, and then you also look where all the base runners should be. And at first, at, at first look, it didn't look like they had a camera angle. But then later on, you could clearly see from home, from home plate right up the third base line, you could kind of tell, what, and I'm trying to remember who it was, which Yankee player it was that was, must have been kind of you know, trotting down there, not going full speed, but as he kind of hit home plate, right. where Judge was now, being tagged. Now that, I'll accept that. Maybe I have never seen it challenged before. So whether or not the runner scored might not be challengeable. But which, blow, which, which blows my mind that, that right. there's, there's I feel like it's, it's kind your, of in the NFL, a pass interference call that, no, 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 you can't challenge that. Well, uh, baseball has that. You, there's, there's certain things you can't challenge. And when you look at the things you can't challenge, it's stuff that would embarrass an umpire. <laughs> so you can't challenge the strike zone. You can't really challenge foul or fair down the lines. Because if an ump screws that up, it's going to embarrass him. Okay. And Fair. so the things that you can't challenge, and it's the same in the NFL if you pay attention. The stuff that's unchallengeable is stuff that umpires and refs should not get wrong. Right. That, now but, we... but either way, the whole point is judge sliding into third is challengeable. And every review I saw of that, replay I saw of that, I don't know if, you got, if we got the tag on time. So and you... why don't the Yankees start there? And even after Boone was thrown out of the game, whoever took over, why didn't they say, hey, I still want to challenge that. Let's, I let's don't take understand. another look. Because, but, I mean, I get that Judge is a slow guy. But if he is safe, that run scores. Yeah. So why don't you challenge it? What's the harm in challenging it? I don't understand, except that that eighth inning taught me everything about why the Yankees are in last place. Now sole possession of last place. Oh, isn't that great to say? Now, we, <laughs> it is nice. We should clarify that was actually Cesar Valdez that was on the mound uh, to get that third out. Um, okay. Of course, he didn't get the third out. It was Austin Hayes with uh, an incredible hose of an arm, uh, you know, throwing out the runner at third. Uh, and then Valdez now, came in and absolutely just you know one two three the right. uh, the top of the ninth. Now Matt is over on Facebook and he's saying that the Yes Network said that they couldn't challenge because Boone didn't challenge it in time. Matt, I don't understand how that's possible because Boone got ejected like before Judge got off the dirt. Like, what happened? I, we've seen so many plays where they pause and say, don't leave the field yet because we got to check the cameras. Yeah. How could they not have enough time? He was ejected so fast. The only ejection that was faster was opening day when Brandon Hyde got ejected, like walking <laughs> up the steps to the dugout. I do not understand what Boone said. Unless all I can imagine, and again, baseball doesn't have the right camera angles or the right whatever this year where the TV broadcast is not as good as in years past. Um, all I can think is he must have came running out 
cursing immediately before he got to like, rather than just saying challenge and just yelling at the ump to get ejected. And the only reason you do that is if you're having a really bad night. And I don't feel like the Yankees well, were, were having you know a really bad night. They've had a really bad year. Okay, fair enough. So um, everyone might be a little high strung. <laughs> that that's fair. So so let's get into a couple of the individual performances. Okay. Uh, well, should we start with Cedric Mullins? Yeah, the 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 king, the, the guy the, who's now the, not only leading this team, leading all of baseball with thirty one hits. Wonder boy Cedric Mullins. Um, yeah. One, I have to I have to be, I love when he does interviews because he's smart. He he seems like such a, a nice fun kid. Uh, I'm just so excited for him, for any success that he has. Uh, and, and for anybody that, that doesn't know, you know, what, what I remember most is opening, was it opening day 2019? Or no, was it still back in 2018? The handoff? The handoff. Mid-season. Adam Jones yeah. uh, essentially letting Cedric Mullins lead the team out. Uh, yeah, really Cedric irritating. He, so I thought, it, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. All right. I thought it was a nice gesture uh, that – Except was, he didn't live up to the to the role. Oh no, and that's part. And they tried to do this big handoff of he's the next Adam Jones, which creates more drama to the, to where we are today because absolutely uh, he he fell. Um, Adam Jones, you know, essentially, I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't like it was Adam Jones, you know, place to give center field away, right? Mm. It was the organization, but yeah, I, think I think Adam, Adam wanted Jones to give it away. I that was an Adam, Adam Jones move. It. it it looked very classy at the time. It was you know, a lot of pomp and circumstance, but um, you know, leading the team out of the dugout, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. And you know, and again, you had all these grand expectations. And Cedric Mullins, back you know, mid-season 2018, did not perform. Uh, was not only sent down in 2018 to to AAA Norfolk. Is that the year that he went all the way down to Bowie? Yes. He went all the way down to Bowie. He couldn't cut it at AAA. Yes. Now, to be fair, if I re- if I remember right, that Bowie team was pretty good, and they like made a, a small little you know whatever the Double A championship run is. Maybe I mean it's it's Bowie though. It's it's a guy who you said this is the next leader of your of your team, and you sent him to Bowie. And this is back when, when C- Cedric Mullins has always been an, an A plus center fielder, very remember, athletic. They gave him another shot last year. Two thousand nineteen. He went. No, wasn't it last year that he went one in twenty seven? That was twenty twenty. So did he? So was he up in two thousand nineteen? I don't think so. Because that was the year that Stevie Wilkerson primarily played yeah. center field. I think twenty nineteen Mullins spent in the minors. I don't have it up in front of me, but yeah, as far as I was concerned, Mullins was kind of done. I yeah. And then so, then, so then, they then let's gave talk about twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one in twenty seven with seven strikeouts. So they send him to Project Bowie. And uh, apparently he's the golden child of Project Bowie because he came back on fire for that second half of the season. Matt says he was up for three weeks in 2019. Then he got sent down to triple A and that's when he got sent down to double A. Now, I know that everybody thinks that he was, uh, and we talk about how well he did in, in 20, at the back end of 2020. Yeah. But I think if it wasn't this year, here's what I remember. Here's I remember him doing like being becoming the bunt king, right? And in the day of the day and era of the shift, learning to bunt against the shift and being as fast as he was, he led all of major league, uh, all of all of baseball better than any other team in, in bunts. 
Uh, I think like he had more bunts the the entire yeah. rest of the league. Right. He uh, took advantage of that speed. So that wasn't what we're seeing now. What we're seeing now is completely different. What we're seeing now is the ability to hit the ball all over the field. What we saw tonight was a lot of power. And I, I still, I think it was like what a night or two ago, he was still able to, you know, have a bunt single to get on base. Absolutely perfect bunt that he laid down. I know, I know Cedric Mullins is enjoying this moment. How much is he kicking himself for not giving up switch hitting years ago? Oh, and focusing Fair. on one side of the plate and Fair. even hitting lefties just as good as righties. I tell you, that must be – and it's not like something that the organization pushed him to do. It was, some, it was a choice. And every, every reporter out there has asked him about it. So he's talked about this extensively. No, it's, it's obvious. It's something you do to set yourself apart. It's just like you want to raise your kid to be a left-hand pitcher because there's more opportunities for left-hand pitchers because there's not a many, as many of them in the majors. So at some point, probably in his high school career – he learned that if I can switch hit, that gives me a better advantage in high school and in college and in and minors. So he stuck with it saying, well, if I can bat – because on paper you say, oh, well, yeah, if you can bat on both sides of the ball, that means I can put you in every night. So Absolutely. he made that – but the problem is he stuck with that, and this is a great example of switch hitting is not always the best thing. Yeah. And which, it might be a well, disadvantage. Which blows my mind because absolutely, I, I I was of the mind that if you could do it, then you're th- you could be average, right, and still be a major league player. But right, but then the Orioles made some good points when they came out and announced that he would not be switch hitting anymore. Where they talked about, well, that means for batting practice, he gets half as much as everyone else because he does half on each side. So, I, I could be wrong, but if I remember one of the interviews. Uh, do you recall who put the seed in his head on, on maybe giving up switch hitting and, and just focusing on left? I don't know. I mean, I want, uh, someone in the Orioles organization, I, I'm sure. Buck Showalter. Was that, was Buck? Some, that was something, if I remember right, he had a conversation with Buck where Buck said, maybe you ought to think about this, or maybe we like, ought to tinker with this. Like this year he mentioned it? No. Well, he mentioned, Cedric Mullins mentioned it, but it was a conversation he had with Showalter all the way back in, I want to say, 2019. So it's been something that's been in the back of his mind for quite some time. And it was a seed that was kind of planted, I think, by Buck Showalter. I mean, if Buck Showalter told me anything, I would just do it immediately. So if Buck (laughs) Showalter mentioned that to me in 2015, I would have just stopped. I, so I have this in my notes, uh, along with several other kind of random things to talk about. But you know, since we're on the Buck show, Walter, yeah, he did say Mullen said that Buck told him once to consider scrapping switch hitting, and this was the year that he finally decided to try it. If would would how would you feel if Buck Walt, uh, Buck Showalter came back to manage this team? Oh, would you hate it? Would I hate? No, because I love Buck Showalter no matter what he does. I mean, it's, but see, I'm very, I've been very happy with Brandon Hyde. But I like Buck Showalter with young guys. I think about all the conflict that we saw with, or that we didn't see, but we heard rumors of between Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette. And I wonder how Buck Showalter would get along with a guy like Mike Elias, if that would be a better team uh, together. I don't. I like Buck Showalter. I know he's not a uh, analytics guy, but he doesn't rule it out. I kind of think analytics in some ways are hurting baseball, and I'm scared of analytics coming to football as much as they are because I think sometimes it ruins the game. If you focus too much on analytics, that might be part of what the Yankees are doing 
is focusing too much on launch angles and stuff. Agreed. Um, but I mean, no, you're not going to get me to say like Buck Showalter, no matter what, I'm going to say yes. It's just like Adam Jones. If you want to bring Adam Jones in as a third base coach, yes. I'd, I'd bring Adam coach, Jones yes. to, in to play second base right now if I could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah. Second base is definitely a big question mark that I'll let Buck Showalter play second base and I'll cheer on. So we've got a few more players to get to, but since we're talking about the manager, you know, I was kind of worried when we saw the, the drama that occurred in the eighth, right? Tanner Scott coming in, not having command, immediately yep. walking the first. Uh, I think he walked the second. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was uh, a pop out that he got for the third batter, and then he and then he loaded the bases. Right now, at that point in time, he was el- he's faced three batters. He's eligible to be pulled, but there was a a lefty on lefty matchup, uh, and and Hyde, who I who I feel like has been you know a quick hook for a lot of the games, um, decided to to leave him in. What did you think about that? I think it's the same move a guy like Buck Showalter would have been, would have made. Because it is a, what Buck and Brandon both have is they are player coaches. They have relationships with the players, which means they trust their players. So in that situation, he's the type of guy that trusts Tanner Scott. Even after the game, his post-game comments is, yes, I'm going to keep putting Tanner Scott in big game situations because I believe in him and his stuff. Which I think is is great to say now because you look like you made the absolute perfect move when you pulled him and then bring oh, in yes, all yes. this. You didn't hear on Saturday, I still like Wade LeBlanc. <laughs> yes, winning helps everything. And the, the clubhouse is happy. And I think what 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 I like is that I'm seeing, you know, con, you know, continual uh, growth not only from the players, but from Hyde as a manager as well. And some of these decisions that just turn out to be the right decisions, I love that. Because I think just with the players and kind of having confidence in your ability at the plate or out in the field, I think from Hyde's perspective, he needs to have confidence in, you know, the, the calls that he makes, you know, in the eighth and ninth inning as well, you know, all the way down to yeah. the lineups that he make. I love that, you know, yesterday um, they, they changed the lineup a little bit uh, and started moving pieces around. Yeah. Mountain Castle uh, moved back. Yeah. Uh, I think we saw Franco and, and uh, move up. Um Speaking of changes, what did you think about Zach Lowther already getting uh, optioned back down to uh, AAA? It's great. It's great. It's annoying, <laughs> but it's great. So here's the deal. It's, it's annoying because I wanted him on Saturday. I wanted him to get a start. It's annoying because you brought up this guy who I think is going to be pretty good. Matt doesn't think so. Jay Flaw. But, uh, but no, but yesterday they bring up Zach Lowther and they put him in a game that they didn't really need to. Anyone could have closed out that. Anyone could have closed out that game. I do feel it was nice because he did have all of his family there. I get that. If the family get that, but, you want the photos. But that's not the business decision <laughs> to op- to to let a guy pitch in a meaningless point where you need him. Therefore, suddenly he's a major leaguer. You got to pay him like a major leaguer. Then you got to option him. Where if he didn't pitch yesterday, you could just send him back down and not use an option. So I think it's a sign that what we're going to see this summer is a lot of the Norfolk shuttle, that we're going to see this bringing guys up and down, one, because of this whole protect the pitchers because of 60 games to 162 games, but also to let these guys get some experience coming up and going down, coming up, going down, which I like. I like that. The more confidence you can build in these guys with little stints like this in the majors, I'm good with that. 
And, and the, the Orioles seem, you know, they're at the alternate site. They seem to have a lot of quality pr- pitchers. I mean, I was just kind of looking through some of their different score sheets. Connor Green is another guy that I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see. Um, you know, he, I feel like he had a decent spring, spring training. So did Jay Flaw, for that matter. Um, Josh Rogers, I think, pitched again today. Eric Hanhold is another guy that I wouldn't be surprised to see. Is there anybody that you want to see that hasn't popped up yet? Uh, at the alt site? Yeah, Adley's still there, right? But we're not going to see him. We're not going to see. Him. No, I'm not. I'm. I like so Charlie was kept making a comment that he thinks about Hyde. A lot of people think Hyde is a stopgap, but that he's getting kind of excited for and enjoying Brandon Hyde. And I think that was what a lot of us saw was Brandon Hyde was a guy with no managerial experience that was brought in here because we're saving money. We want young guys. Here's a guy who's used to dealing with young guys, player development. The problem is, this Brandon Hyde, I always thought, you know the team's ready to win when they replace the manager. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Brandon Hyde is the guy to take this team to the World Series. And all of this stuff that we're seeing from the players growing is also stuff we're seeing from Brandon Hyde growing. And I think games like today, trust in Tanner Scott, is part of that Hyde growing and learning to manage big league games, learning to manage big league players in a season that, in the end, it doesn't matter if he lost today's game because we're expected to lose all the games. I see. I, I get that. And here's what where you and I kind of had this. We both were, were pretty upset a couple nights ago when the Orioles decided to I don't not really. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, but here, here's my problem is that I think we can win a lot of games. Uh, I think that we're better than a lot of people give us credit for. I don't know if that's because uh, everybody's just, you know, almost used to us losing. Uh, but when you look at the way that the team performs today, uh, when you look at the pitching, uh, Matt Harvey, um, John Means, I'm really excited to see how, what Bruce Zimmerman can do. Um, you know, and, and we know that although it's been hot and cold, we know we have the bats. I, uh, I agree with you. But – that doesn't mean the expectation. The expect, no matter what you and I think, and you and I see this stuff and expect things, just like Brandon Hyde and the players think that they're better than people are projecting. Mike Elias doesn't. Mike Elias doesn't care about this year. That oh. was clear by putting Wade LeBlanc in to start on Saturday. I agree. Um, so that takes. That means this team's playing with no pressure. So because- so let's before the season started. I'm going to guess that your expectations were about 65, 70 wins. Am I close? Uh, I got to go back and check, but I think it was like low seventies. Okay. Has that, has your expectation or, or, you know, your thoughts changed? Uh, no, I'm sticking with that number. Okay. I'm sticking with that number. I don't think we're going to hit the 500 mark. I think we hit the 500 mark next year. Okay. But we're not going to hit the, whatever we're going to far surpass the 52 wins or whatever that they, that was projected. Right. I do not think we're getting a hundred losses. That's the, that's the key I keep looking at. And this team and this bats and this lineup, we talked, I think, on, I don't know, maybe we, Saturday was a lot of anger. So maybe it was Sunday when I was talking with Matt. We talked about how this lineup, if they put up, we're not asking for a ton of runs. It must have been Saturday because Saturday was anger. We're not asking for right. a, lot of, a lot of runs. We're asking for three, four runs a game. And that gives you a shot to win every game. The Orioles are now nine and two in games that they score four runs. And we four runs 
should be accept is a normal like that's not a high number. It's not like oh, every time you score ten runs, you might win. Four runs is doable. Not only that, if you go back and look at how many of those close games we lost, uh, every extra inning game, right? Well, there's that. There's the you know losing that first game in the A series three to one, uh, losing the last game to the Rangers one zero, uh, losing the uh, you know the last when we in the double headers. You know, we lost two to four, one to two. That was the last day. Uh, we did win, you know, I think when we had uh, Ramon Urias had that walk off and we won seven to six. But earlier in the day, we had lost three to four. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of going back. We, we've of the games that we've lost. So many of those games were extremely close games. Yeah, no, you're right. We haven't had I think there's been three games that have been blowout games. But, yeah, it's been pretty good before that. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I just know this team is fun to watch right now. Now we do not have a second baseman, and that's really interesting, and that really shows that this team has no expectations. So that's obviously but, going to change. Uh, so something happened tonight with Freddie Galvis getting injured. Yeah, that's not going to help us have a second baseman. Well, so that leaves that. That means that Ramon Urias is now our shortstop, unless they bring somebody down. Okay. But that could have implications at shortstop. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if they're so, really going to – are they uh, going to bring out game, Rio Ruiz to face, you know, uh, lefties? Apparently. Well, after the game, uh, Brandon Hyde said that Galvis is feeling better right now and he's day-to-day. So um, the question is, day-to-day normally means you're trying to avoid the 10-day DL. So I don't know. I guess you could send McKenna down. And bring up a guy like Richie Martin for one or two spot starts. Like like we talk about using these pitchers, you could do the same with um, to bring up a guy like Richie Martin or Stevie Wilkerson to on fill the, in. On the reverse side of that, you know, we, we started out the year, you know, on a 26-man roster carrying 14 pitchers and 12 fielders. So, right. you know, traditionally you do 13 and 13. So, right. you know, but, there could be a chance that they option one of the guys from the bullpen mm, uh, and bring up somebody. No, not with, if it's just for a 10 day period. Yeah, but I don't think so, because they've been very slick to even like the move of sending Kramer down to get extra bullpen arms. They've been very hesitant about making sure they have plenty of pitchers. Now it looks like if so, I'm trying to think. Has have the Yankees announced who's going to be pitching tomorrow night? Uh yeah, yep. All the pitchers have been announced for the series. Uh, tomorrow is Kluber versus Zimmerman, and guess what? On stat line, Zimmerman's better. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so with with, uh, with with Kluber pitching from the right, I imagine that that's kind of an easy decision for. Um, uh, for Hyde to kind of call on Rio Ruiz to play second base with a, a left-handed bat. I'm not right. sure if they're going to bring in Cisco, uh, you know, as the catcher and then maybe even let Pedro uh, DH, but I'm trying to think of in the outfield, if that makes any changes, I'm sure we'll see DJ Stewart out there tomorrow. Uh, hey, I mean, maybe this is a chance to put Mount Castle at second. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that, but we don't have a second baseman. So we talked a little, so we went through when we talked about the, you know, Matt Harvey, I thought that was a, probably his best performance of the yeah. year. What do you think? Yeah. And that's a good thing. He's been building, like he hasn't had a bad performance. And so for this to be his best performance is exciting that he is growing. Hey, and 
right about now is when uh, Elias might want to start making some phone calls. Well, we, and we all know that this is coming, right? That he was brought in yes. solely for the purpose of, of flipping. Are you going to be upset to see him go? Um, I am really enjoying watching Matt Harvey. Now, part of that is the lure of Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight from the Mets, and never getting to see him because he was in, that, in the National League. Right. So I, I loved that he pitched the home opener because I got to see him in person. I'm, in, I'm so intrigued every time Matt Harvey takes the mound. So will I be disappointed to see him traded? Mm, yeah, I guess, probably. But I also, like you said, we all knew that's the whole point of signing him. Can you make a case for keeping him? No. Uh, yeah. If uh, suddenly we find ourselves in first place, it's July, and we're making a run for the postseason this year. That's it. That's it. If it's not about this year, there's no point in Matt Harvey. I, I, you know, it's interesting because I wonder what effect he has uh, as just kind of, you know, outside of means as being a, a, a veteran in the clubhouse uh, for a lot of these young guys. What, what, you know, what kind of conversations is he having with these other guys? I don't know. And how important is that? I don't know. And again, the other argument for keeping Matt Harvey would be that no one's given much up. Yeah, absolutely. So then that's where you can balance the, uh, all of that. But then if he's that much of a veteran presence, I think we would hear more about that. I think you're right. Uh, Anybody else uh, on the Orioles squad that you want to talk about tonight? Uh, Franco? Um, had a nice, you know, deep double to deep right. Um, unfortunately, didn't score anybody. It was good to see him yeah. uh, with the hit and, and playing it a was, really solid third base. Yeah, it was scary to see Austin Hayes get hit in the hand. But then, what about DJ okay Stewart getting thrown at? I missed that. So, uh, so yeah, that was a that was a fastball high and inside, right at his head, um, it, and. It, it seemed like, you know, maybe it just kind of slipped. Maybe it was, you know, the, the commentary seemed that, you know, it was maybe a pitch that got away trying to brush him back. And I would think so. There's no reason to throw at, at Stewart. No. Uh, um, other guy I would mention is Pedro Severino. I feel like we're really hard on the catchers, especially with Adley in the wings. And he got two hits today. It's nice to see some production come out of that catcher position. Pedro Severino now batting 259. I think he's that puts him either third or fourth on the team in batting average. All right. Oh, the other guy to talk about, Ryan Mountcastle with that double. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a big hit for a guy who right now his stat lines or right before that double, his stat lines matched when Cedric Mullins got sent to Project Bowie yeah, last year. I saw that. Yep. So um a guy who the Orioles do not want to send to Bowie. They want it to work at this league level because we've seen him. He hits the ball in the minors, no problem, and it needs to produce here. So to see him get that double tonight is at least giving me a little hope for a guy that's batting 171. Now, when we look through his, his at-bats, because he, uh, he has been moved down in the lineup. I think he's batting maybe seventh now. Yep. Uh, he flied out to shortstop in the second. Uh, he then hit that deep double in the fourth, struck out in the sixth, and then grounded into a double play in the eighth. Right. Um, but what do you think is going on with Mount Castle? What, what? It's, it's bad luck and it's mental. It's mental. Okay. Baseball, nothing, no, no team sport has as much of a mental component as baseball. 
and we're seeing him press a little too much. I think the drop in the lineup is specifically for that, to stop him from pressing so much, to allow him to relax and not feel like he has to make a big impact at the top of the lineup. So I think he's pressing too much. I think the ball will warm up, the ball will start carrying to the fence. I think he's been such a, I think it's very similar to what we see with Chris Davis, where everything is trying to get a home run instead of learning how to hit doubles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're right, because that's when we talk about how hits become contagious, you yep. know, right? You, you see one guy get, you know, a, a nice solid double. Another guy hits a nice, easy single. And all of a sudden it, it, these guys get excited. They get up to the plate and their mentality changes. I was praising the Orioles yesterday because they only gave they only struck out nine times, which is funny. That's once an inning. But I was so used to double digit for strikeouts that I was like, all right, nine is acceptable. I'm OK with that. Today, they only struck out seven times. Ah, see? They, so uh, they it's nice to see the podcast. A, yeah, and it's nice to see a better approach at the plate, to see little things like that go. And they got three walks today. All that stuff is keys to winning games, especially for – we always talk about how we're a mid-market team, maybe a small market team. No question, we're the smallest payroll in baseball. That's oh, why no small. one takes us serious. We're definitely – we're, we we're are, not only small, but we're in a dual market. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, but there's that. And I don't really, I mean, just what we're paying. Our payroll for the players is like 45 oh. million this year. It's, it, the Yankees, if you take out Chris Davis, which is on the 60th IL, we are the lowest. Yeah, but like the Yankees payroll for 2021 223 million? $220 million. I was going to be so excited if I nailed no. it. Two hundred two hundred and two million. Okay. Sorry, small screen. Last year it was two hundred and fifty million. Yeah, and the so, fact that we're competing with those guys uh is absolutely incredible. That's like four or five times our payroll. That's crazy. And yet we are uh ahead of them in the division. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh so, let's hope keep, that, that trend continues. That up. So the, the last guy that I wanted to kind of bring up, because, again, I think he's really flown under the radar, but Travis Lakin Sr. came in for another inning. I think it was the seventh. Yeah, he's uh, got that nice ERA. Inning. Yeah, Hasn't zero changed. ERA. Um, what do you think of uh, Lakin Sr.? It's a guy that we got in 2019, if I recall, from Boston off of waivers. Yeah. Uh, came in, pitched decent in 2020. Yeah. Did he, did he pitch for us in 2019? Um. Let's see. I have to look. Uh, no, he was with Boston last year. Okay, so he was just Boston with us. In the... 20, Boston in 2019. He was with the Orioles for uh, 2020. So had he, a, he had a 2.81 ERA last year. Not too shabby. And, no. and looking to continue that trade. He's kind of a guy that, again, flies under the radar, but something, what, somebody that you need in the bullpen. What I like about Lakins is he does exactly what you need him to do. He's been in seven games. One inning in each of those games. None of this, third, none of these one outs or two outs projections. He gets all three outs when he comes in. I love that. So he just clears the board, five strikeouts, and that, that's how he's kept that 0.0 ERA. It's great. Uh, so any thoughts looking for – oh, I was going to ask, what do you miss more? This is just random conversations that I have here. What do you miss more? Because you're, you can't watch it, neither can I. The hot dog race or the crab, the, the crab shuffle? Oh, I'm spoiled because I've gone to so many Oriole games that I hate them both. <laughs> so I don't care about that. 
So no chance for the Birdland tonight to do our, to do our own crab shuffle one night? Oh, there's always a chance for that. Um, we do have this break that we take, and I don't see why we couldn't switch that up to a crab shuffle. Ooh, I like that idea. Some, if someone wants to do some artwork and some animations for us, I have no problem with that. Let's steal whatever we can. I'm all for that. I like that subtle hint that you reminded me that I forgot to take a break. Yeah, I forgot it too. <laughs> Let's take it right here, and then we can talk a little bit more about looking ahead. Perfect. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, you know what's going to be fun about looking ahead? Like right now we're looking ahead and everything we're looking at is the next three Yankee games because it's telling us a lot for, about the Orioles. We learned a lot about the Orioles today. We'll continue through this series to learn a lot about the Orioles and, how we're, how, and the, the uh, Yankees as well. But what I'm really looking forward to is the fact that minor league baseball starts in like two weeks. Are you looking forward to it because you're looking forward to going to see some games or you just want to see reports oh, on how these guys are playing? I got tickets right here. Oh, that's exciting. I got exciting. tickets right here for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp versus the Norfolk Tide. They, uh, the Norfolk Tide start their season down here the so first I assume, week in May. I assume that if it's in Florida, then there are no fan restrictions. Everybody's welcome. Uh, I looked. Yeah, there's, they're going, there's pods and they're saying you got to wear masks. Okay, so. Fair enough. I'm fine, but I bought a general admission ticket. I don't know how that works with pods, but you know how much a general admission ticket costs to a AAA team? I'm going to guess $10. $5 for a <laughs> Saturday better. night. <laughs> so I'm, I bought tickets to one game, and I'm probably going to go on and buy some more games. I got to look at where the stadium is. I don't know where they play, but I assume it's within 30 minutes of my home. I, uh, I, you know, I grew up in a, in a double A town. So I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I have fond memories of going to see the Tulsa drillers back in the days when Sammy Sosa uh, did a stint with the Tulsa drillers. So it's always fun to kind of go to those games and, and see those guys that eventually make it and, you know, question whether or not, you know, one or two of these guys ever get a cup of coffee. That's going to be a lot of fun. A little envious. Their stadium is like dead center of the city. All right. It could be a fun, could be a fun city. I can make it work. There you go. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to, for that. I'm hoping Adley is in AAA. Matt was trying to tell me tonight that he's going to be in Bowie. I don't know why they wouldn't put him in down in Norfolk and let him just skip Bowie, but he might have a short stint in Bowie. Yeah, you know, and that being said, I don't know if I've seen his name on the Orioles player development Twitter account that's been posting the alternate site. Right. I don't know if he's at the alt site or if he's in Florida. Because they're doing a lot of development down in Florida, too. Any thoughts about the fact that Chris Davis is not in Florida, that he is rehabbing his back somewhere? Yeah, nobody cares. The <laughs> Orioles don't even care what Chris Davis does. That's why they're saying, yeah, 60-day DL, go hang out at home. Rest your back. Yeah. Um, so I, looking- well, 
I say nobody cares. Chris Davis would be doing better than Ryan Mountcastle at this time. Not, hey, I, so, I, I'm, the, I'm a huge Chris Davis apologetic. I, I, I would I love to see Chris Davis. I mean, do you, do you want to see Chris Davis playing in the Orioles game? Mm, that's a really tough question. I mean, this this is I, you're a guy who was there. Chris Davis. When, when you saw Chris Davis hit at least a couple of his 57 hey, home runs. You know, people love to hate Chris Davis. You know who has hit the most home runs in Camden Yards history? Well, I'm afraid it's a non-Oriole player. No, Adam Chris Jones. Davis. Adam oh, Jones. Fair. But you know who the second person is? Chris Davis. Chris Davis, I believe, is number four. Five. Oh, I'm getting sound on one of my devices right now. I think Chris Davis is like number five in total home runs as an Oriole player. I think he has the most plaques on Utah Street. Definitely, definitely has that. People love to forget and downplay the great years of Chris Davis. They weren't good years. He was one of the best players in baseball. Agreed. And people love to forget that. So. I would love to see Chris Davis bounce back. It wasn't all that long ago, spring training 2020, we had a glimpse. We had a small glimpse. Uh -huh. Yes, <laughs> that's true. And that's why I got so excited for spring training 2021. I did and too. And why I bought my ticket to go see the opening day down in Sarasota. I am the only person uh, on these Birdland Tonight hosts that got to see Chris Davis at the plate. <laughs> that's right, you are. In person. Now, he hurt himself on the second at bat, but I saw – here's the thing I saw. I saw Chris Davis go to the plate. I saw with my own eyes that that's a different batting stance, that he's working on something. And I was so excited coming out of that that Chris Davis is going to figure this out. So now to be on the 60-day DL, I would love for him to be back. You know, it's a long but season. I, I don't see how we give him a chance. It, it's all going to it's going to depend on where we're at, um, and it's going to have to be. I, Chris, I don't. Chris I don't Davis what, is going to have to humble himself. I, I don't know what that means, though. Does that mean that I mean, does he have to accept another IL assignment, or can he say, "No, I'm healthy. You can't put me on the IL." Either cut I, me, I, or if, or play me. I don't know. Because what really needs to happen is Chris Davis needs to humble himself. And he hasn't done this in years past. And when I say humble himself, I mean, sorry, Chris, if you want another chance, you need to go prove it in Norfolk first or Bowie. You need to show me in the minors that you deserve to be back up here. And you're still going to get your major league salary. You're just going to have to slum it a little bit with these guys. And I think a lot of times guys do that, right? They'll do a rehab but, assignment. But Davis does not, and he's had opportunities for this. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I for one, would like to see that happen as well. Me too. Uh, so, again, looking forward a little bit uh, in, in the near future, we, we've got uh, two more games against the Yankees and then a, a six-game road Three trip. more games oh, against well, the Yankees. That's right, three more. Four-game series. So we're going to be able to see, uh, let's see here, Zimmerman tomorrow night. It's still TBD, I think. Who are we going to see pitch on the 28th? Dean, Dean Kramer. That should, be ten, that should be 10 days for Kramer. So that, but again, Kramer has not been recalled. We right. dropped low. That's, that's why I'm assuming it's TBD. Because um, Thursday is Lopez. So and it, Lopez would split, would normally go on Wednesday. But they're leaving that for 
uh, what's his name? Kramer. I just said. Dean uh, Kramer. Kramer. Yeah. Well, I, I hope so. I, I want to see Kramer up. I, I want to see him pitch again because he, he's been one of these guys that you can count on for five innings and two runs, maybe three. And I think anytime you get a guy that can go five or six and give you, you know, leave you with two or three runs, we have, you know, we have the chance to compete. Yeah, and I like that I against the Yankees. Like I just said, nine and two with games that we score four runs. So, yeah, it's all good. Orioles are fun. Let's enjoy it while we can. And let's enjoy the Yankees in last place. Absolutely. Uh, tomorrow on Birdland tonight, it is uh, – oh, I'm back. I'll be <laughs> back here tomorrow night with Joe de Blasio. Ah, fantastic. Tell Joe I said hi. Will do. All right. all right, guys. That's all we got for tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, you know, tell more people about it. Uh, have some yeah. more folks tune in and uh, share the video on Facebook and stuff. Let Let's get more live viewerships after the show, after the game. It's been fun to be able to interact with you guys and uh, with through the comments and all. So let's get more people that way. The podcast is doing really well. I understand you, podcast listeners. It's great for your commute into work, but live is a whole different experience. All right, guys. Take care. Good night. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.